0: Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's
1: a vegan food blogger and health coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health.
0: This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith.
1: Hello, my little chickpeas. I hope everyone's having a great day today. I don't know. I've been been debating about calling my community my little chickpeas, but I don't know how everyone would feel about that. Um, I'm just kind of naturally inclined to say that, but I don't know. I'll have to think about it more. Let me know what you think about that. Um, Send me a DM. Let me know. But anyway, my parents were here for the past two weeks and they just left on Black Friday. So they were here for two weeks visiting as I said, I think in the last podcast, I kind of gave them the tour of Boca and I got to have Thanksgiving with them, which was super nice. So it was my fiance, Ari, and his family. Um, Just his parents though, unfortunately his sisters couldn't come because of COVID and it was my parents. And normally we would do separate things for Thanksgiving. Typically we go to Ari's grandparents in Pennsylvania, but Obviously, because of COVID, we weren't going to travel to Pennsylvania, so it was just nice to have our families together, and let me tell you, we made a feast. We had stuffing, which was made by my mom. It was so good. We used like a whole grain sourdough, and it was delicious. We had three kinds of vegan turkey, so we bought, I think it was the Gardein turkey. We got the No Evil turkey, and we got the Field Roast turkey. I think my personal favorite was the field roast. It was just on point in terms of flavor. It had like a puff pastry on the outside, so had almost like a breading, and then it had a hazelnut and cranberry stuffing on the inside. It was just really good, and it didn't taste processed where I feel like the Gardein one tasted kind of processed to me. And then the No Evil turkey, which we found at Whole Foods. I don't know. It was a little bit more plain. It didn't have a stuffing on the inside, but it was still pretty good. So that was fun. We loved just sampling all of those vegan turkeys. We figured if we weren't going to have a real meat turkey, we would have fun and experiment and try some different vegan turkeys that they offered. And both my dad and Ari's dad are not vegan, but they loved the vegan turkeys. They had no issue with it and they didn't miss regular turkey at all. So if you're plant-based and, you know, maybe next year you want to bring one of these um, vegan turkeys to your Thanksgiving or make one of them in addition to your regular turkey, they were pretty good. Um, But we had baked mac and cheese. We had Um, My fall harvest salad recipe, which is on my blog. We had creamy vegan mashed potatoes. We had two kinds of gravy. It was just, it was so good. And we ate leftovers for like three, four days afterwards. We also made homemade cranberry sauce, which was super good. And if you haven't had homemade cranberry sauce before, I highly encourage you to try it. It's just, it's so fresh and yummy and you can really taste the fresh cranberries. And it takes only like 10 minutes. And you don't just have to have cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving. So I would go to my blog, try my cranberry sauce recipe. It's delicious and so good with all the other Thanksgiving food. So yeah, it was just super nice. My parents left, as I said, on Black Friday. They flew Delta. They said that everything was really great on the Delta flight. So if you're thinking about traveling, I think or what I've heard overall is that like Delta's kind of the best way to go I think they're still the only ones keeping the middle seat open which is great and they hand everyone an antibacterial wipe when you get on the plane so that you can wipe everything down they have special filters in the plane and then I made sure my parents were very well equipped they had good masks they had face shields that they wore on top we both got tested before we saw each other so we tried to do things as safely as possible and we are personally very strict and cautious about COVID. We haven't eaten in a restaurant yet. We don't really go out too much. You know, we go to the grocery store. We go and run errands if we have to. And we really like don't see any of our friends. We see them in, you know, socially distanced outside in a backyard or something. But But yeah, we're still remaining very cautious. We are in Florida, so... The cases are definitely on the rise here, which is not good. Okay, let's move on to the health tip and the cooking tip of the day. And then I'm going to tell you all about our guest. So for the cooking tip of the day, have you guys ever made nice cream? A couple years ago, I discovered nice cream. Basically, you take frozen bananas and you blend them in like your food processor, your blender, or in a Yonanas machine, and it comes out like creamy soft serve. There's something about blending a frozen banana. It just turns into the creamiest, most delicious ice cream-like texture. You can add peanut butter, berries, granola, some dark chocolate, maybe some vegan sprinkles if you're into that. It's so yummy. So that is my cooking tip of the day. And for my health tip of the day, this is actually going to be a mental health tip of the day, but I wanted to remind you all not to be so hard on yourself. If you eat something not too healthy If you eat some junk food, skip a day of working out, whatever it is, stop beating yourself up for it. It's okay to take a rest day. It's okay to binge watch Netflix in your bed all day on Saturday. It's okay to eat a cupcake or treat yourself to an ice cream or an extra serving of pasta. No one is perfect. Just be kinder to yourself moving forward. It's so, so important. In today's episode, I interview Krista from Frozen Bananas. She is a food blogger who shares easy and healthy recipes. She started her brand, Frozen Bananas, to show others how to live a healthy and happy lifestyle, and she quit her corporate job last year to pursue her brand full-time. She loves to share her story with others and inspire them to do whatever it is that brings them joy. She shares healthy recipes, real life, and positivity. So Krista recently wrote an ebook all about sponsorships, so I really wanted to bring her on to have an open conversation with another food blogger about the ins and outs of sponsorships and brand deals. I want to bring transparency and a new kind of openness to this subject We dive deep into what should be in your media kit, how to negotiate with brands, how to create rates, deciding what to charge, the details of how to reach out to a brand and actually get them to work with you and more. If you're listening to this episode, it means so much to me if you could rate it and review the podcast and give it five stars. If you like the podcast, it is so much more helpful than you know. Also, I love seeing who's listening to the podcast, so if you could just screenshot this and then post it to your Insta story and tag me at Healthy Girl Kitchen, it would be much appreciated, and then I'll repost it on my stories. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hi, Krista. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast.
0: Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited.
1: Me too. And we were like just getting into things before we started talking. So I just wanted to like press record because we were already kind of like diving into the things we want to talk about. I'm excited. And as I said before, I feel like we know each other just because we always see each other's posts on Instagram. And I'm just so used to seeing your face all over social media. So it's nice to finally hang and see each other over video chat.
0: I agree. It's really amazing how Instagram really brings people together. I've made so many friends. It's incredible.
1: It is, and it's like I feel like I know everyone's life cuz I'm always watching everyone's story and like you know what each other has for breakfast and you always see like them posting with their significant other and it's just fun. So, I am excited to have you here and I'm excited to talk about sponsorships today and this is something that I don't think is talked about enough. So to everyone listening, this is going to be an episode where we talk all about brand sponsorships and how to deal with everything from like making your media kit, the details of what should be in a media kit, how to negotiate with brands, how to talk to brands. And Krista actually has an ebook all about this. So if you want further details after this episode about, sponsorships, definitely go check out her ebook. It's on her website. Um, but this episode, we're going to dive in and give you all the juicy deets about sponsorships. But first, can you give us just like a little background on you, where you grew up, what, t- what you went to college for, and then how you got here?
0: So to begin, I went to Pace University for business hospitality, and I never thought that I would be on Instagram at all I created my Instagram just for like a fun little side project just posting like healthy recipes and stuff like that and I did I started that in 2017 and then I kind of let it go I just did it for a few months and then I started it back up at the end of college as a fun thing just to do and I continued on until like up to now, I posted every single day, I was really consistent with it, but never thought anything would happen. Um, And then I got my first job, my dream job out of college, working for a company planning corporate events. And that's really what I wanted to do because I was in hospitality and business. So it was perfect. I really enjoyed it. The actual job was in the city. And I lived in New York, upstate New York about like two hours from the city. So I commuted two hours each way every day. And I used my two hours each way to comment, like, engage, and really spend time on Instagram to make up for the time when I was at work and I couldn't really do much. And I kind of just grew naturally. I didn't think anything of it. Again, I don't think anyone goes into it thinking that they're going to make money from it. It's just kind of... A crazy thing that happens. Along the way, I met someone that told me that I could actually charge for my content. When I heard that, that was a complete game changer. I never thought that that could happen. Um, when she told me this, I was like, wow, okay, how do I even go about this? And I actually had my first sponsored content like a few weeks after that. And I continued reaching out to brands and it just flourished.
1: Yeah, that's kind of similar to my story. I had no idea food bloggers made money. I had no idea that you could post a recipe and a brand could actually pay you. I honestly, like I looked at influencers, maybe like someone like Skinny Confidential or like now you have people like Addison Rae and like those kinds of girls. And like I knew that they were paid, but I didn't realize that food bloggers could also get paid. So I totally understand like where you were coming from of like being totally shocked that you could actually get paid for doing something like that because as you said like I started my Instagram and it was just for fun at first like I liked posting recipes and sharing with everyone because that was something I was passionate about so I totally understand that.
0: Also I thought like you had to have thousands upon thousands and millions of followers to even make like a dollar.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure.
0: I never knew that it was even possible for someone with like 10K to make even like $50.
1: For sure. So that kind of leads into my first question, which is how many followers did you have when you got your first sponsored Instagram post?
0: So I actually had a little over 10,000 followers, but um, I know people do charge for content before that. I just had no idea to be honest with you and when someone told me about it it just happened to be the time when I had about 10k
1: yeah that's really interesting I think I had my first sponsored post like a little bit before 10k but I think that kind of brings in an important topic which is engagement versus how many followers you have because I see people with 5,000 followers for example that get much better engagement than someone with even like 50,000 followers
0: that's really true um you have to spend the time engaging with your followers. And I think that's like a huge deal. If you're not taking the time to comment back, to message, to just actually create that connection, you're not going to really establish much and people won't trust you as much. I think it's really important to create that special connection.
1: So how much time on average every day do you spend engaging on Instagram?
0: Oh no, Um, I try to take a step back sometime and not engage too much because i think that i should be spending time on my website and creating content but i would say when i post a photo it's typically in the morning i spend about 30 to 40 minutes engaging right when i post i feel like that's super important to make sure that you're on and you're establishing establishing a connection with Um, the people that are posting at the same time as you, and really just taking that time. Also, I think it's super important to continually kind of go on throughout the day, but not get stuck on Instagram, like just scrolling. I really try to be mindful when I use Instagram and make sure that I'm using the time to actually speak to my followers, to answer messages, Um, to use the time to just help others also. Like a lot of people reach out to me about sponsored content, about brand partnerships, or just about growing their Instagram. And I really like to spend the time trying to help them in any way that I can.
1: So how does it compare now versus when you first started your Instagram? Were you spending way more time in the beginning?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, As I said before, I was commuting two hours each way to work. So like that's just four hours right there.
1: That's insane.
0: Which is crazy to think about it, because like a lot of people say like, oh, I don't have time because I'm working and I probably was engaging more than than I am now. But it's just I have to spend time working on my website, working on Pinterest and working on other platforms as well.
1: For sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things is finding that balance of how to manage all of your social platforms because not one is more important than the others. You need to have that diversification of being on a lot of different social media. I actually talked about this with Carly from Plant U in one of my last podcasts that having your brand on different social platforms is so important because what if one day, let's say, Instagram just was gone or I've seen this happen where people's accounts get hacked and they lose their Instagram. If you have just your Instagram account, like that would be it. So I always try to encourage people to have a Pinterest, a blog, a TikTok, their Instagram, so that in case if something happens, they're spread out across all different platforms.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um I created I, I wish I created my website sooner than I did. But I think it's great because you have this place where people know that they can always find you if, as you said, if social media just disappeared tomorrow, someone can go ahead and go to my website and they can find me. And I also have an email list, which I think is super important because I have um, a whole list of people that I can directly contact if anything would have happened.
1: For sure. So let's get into Media Kit's. And let's do like a media kit 101 because if you are on all those social platforms, that's so amazing to show to brands. Like that's what you can include on your media kit is showing all these brands where you are, how many followers you have and all of those details. But let's start with maybe three things that should be in your media kit.
0: Okay. So number one, I think you should have a little bio about yourself. It doesn't have to be long, but just something so people can get like the gist of who you are, what you do. Very simple. Don't overcomplicate it. I try to think of it as kind of like a resume. No one wants to read like a 10 page resume. So I tried to make it one to two pages, super simple. And you can know exactly what the person does through reading like a few lines. Second thing I would say Engagement rate is super important to know the actual percentage of people that are engaging with your content in relation to the number of followers that you have. I know Instagram can be really difficult and it's like an up and down with the engagement, but just an average works fine and brands understand that as well. You don't have to feel overwhelmed like you need to be at a certain number.
1: Yeah, that's a good tip. And I know for me, I first wondered, I'm like, wait, how do I even calculate my engagement rate? There are just websites that you can type in like calculate my Instagram engagement rate. You put in your handle and it just automatically calculates it for you.
0: Yes, that is so true. Also, another thing I like to add to my media kit is just a few pictures of past past partnerships that I've done with brands, just so people can have a visual of what they can expect. Of course, they can go right to my Instagram and see some examples. But I think having something right there on the media kit for them to look at is easy. As I said, we want to make it as easy as possible for them.
1: I love that, and I totally agree. Now, there's something that's a little bit controversial that I've heard some different opinions about, and that's whether or not to include your rate on your media kit. So, I personally do not include
0: my rate on my media kit. I keep it separate. I have a media kit, and I have a rate sheet. Um, I do this because I don't want to lead with the rates. I rather them. T- see like what I'm all about and then go ahead and send that later on once they feel comfortable with me and what I have to offer so I like to keep them separate for that reason
1: yeah I agree and honestly I've had brands sometimes reach out to me and they offer me money before I even give them my rate and it's more than what I would have told them When if I were to have sent them my media kit with my rate, they would have been like, oh, great. Now I can give her less money because she has a lower rate than we were even willing to give her. So I agree with you. I also do not include my rates on my media kit for that reason. But also, yeah, like I like to show them what I'm all about, show them pictures, tell them all about my engagement rate and all of that. And then, you know, kind of show your value in that way. And then... I think that's kind of the best way for them to then want to sponsor you and want to be a part of your community and collaborate with you.
0: Yes. And then you could always leave it open for negotiation after that as well.
1: Totally. So let's talk about negotiation for a second, because I think at least for me at first, I was very nervous to negotiate with brands. It was almost if like, like, let's say I told a brand I'd love to work with you and they're like, great what's your rate? I tell them my rate. Then they're like, oh, you know what? Like that's a little bit too much for us. I was then nervous. I just want to be like, okay, like no worries. Like I'll, I'll lower it. But I think over time I've learned to stand up for myself and be an advocate for myself and just be honest and let them know what my rate is. Um, and of course, sometimes I'll do like a discount package. Like if they're doing, five Instagram posts, maybe I'll give them like a little bit of a discount. But can you talk about how important it is to be an advocate for yourself and like not be nervous to negotiate with brands?
0: Yes, this is so, so important. I think a lot of people don't realize their worth and what they really bring to the table. You have to really remember all the amazing things that you're putting out there. And the brand is lucky to be working with you. Remember that. It's, It's hard sometimes because we can just be so excited that we got an email from a brand and we just want to say, yes, absolutely, I'll work with you. But I think it's very important to realize that a lot goes into creating content. Um, You have to think about a recipe. So let's say we're planning a recipe post. You have to think about a recipe. You have to purchase the ingredients for the recipe. You have to see how you're going to put it together. You have to write down a rough idea of the recipe. You have to try the recipe the recipe doesn't work you have to try it again then you have to take pictures of it edit the pictures and then create a caption so that is a lot of work and you have to kind of figure out first of all what the best rate is for that but then also think about how you can negotiate with the brand to make it fair for them and fair for you based on the work that you're putting in because you don't want to lower your rate too much and you don't want to it out of the park where they might not want to work with you again
1: yes and i want to unpack all of that so when it comes to setting your rate because i think now we're going into that um like it's one thing to negotiate but a part of negotiating your rate is just remembering like all of those things that go into creating your rate and i think it's important to write out all of those things so just like you listed off all of those like writing the caption, planning out the recipe, you got to test the recipe, you have to buy the ingredients, whatever it is, even if you're not a food blogger, write out all the things that you have to do for that brand, and then base your rate around that, especially like the time piece of it, because you're not just charging based on your followers, you're charging based on the time it's going to take you. So in order to kind of calculate that, I think you have to write everything out. Would you agree?
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, A lot goes into it and you have to calculate the time, as you said, and you have to kind of think about what else you could be doing with that time. So if you weren't working on this post, what else could you be doing for your brand that could potentially help you grow? So it has to be kind of worth that.
1: Definitely. And I think that also goes hand in hand with when brands offer you a free product. Um, You know, that might sound exciting. You're like, oh, cool. Like they'll send me a FabFitFun box. But then you have to think like, okay, I could probably just pay for that myself because that post and creating that content is going to take like four hours when my time is worth a lot more than what I would pay for the box. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about different kinds of posts for a second because we're talking about rates and creating those rates. How would you kind of decide what to charge for something like A video versus a picture?
0: Uh, Well, a lot more time goes into a video. I have been trying to make a lot of reels lately and they take a lot of time. And just to edit them in general, that takes like hours besides actually creating the video. So I do charge more for the video for that specific reason. So I think it's important to realize kind of what goes into creating the video and editing the video and know that. It's worth more than just a photo. Not that a photo is easy to create. It just there more. There's more that goes into the video.
1: And have you had any pushback from brands? Like, let's say they request a video, and you tell them your rate, and that's it's obviously more than what you charge for a picture. What are you finding that their responses?
0: Sometimes it can be frustrating when you get that pushback. I, I receive that pushback often. Like, oh, your rate is too much. It's not going to work for us. Um, but. Again, you just have to kind of go go back to realizing your worth and what you bring to the table. Remember that you are worth that amount of money and if it doesn't align with the brand, that's totally okay. There's a lot of other brands that maybe you can work with instead of them. There's nothing wrong with that and I don't want you to kind of put yourself down for it because I've done that before and there's no reason to. It's just kind
1: of like business. Yes, totally. It is business and I think... There have been a lot of brands, at least for me, that they like act so excited to work with me and they're like super passionate. And then I tell them my rates and they're like, oh, like we're a small company. We can't afford something like that or we don't really have the marketing budget for that. And there's almost like they try to like guilt me into doing the work for less or doing the work for free. And. Like while there's something to be said about like giving a a startup company a shout out on your Instagram story just because you feel like supporting them, like there's a difference between doing that and then like creating a ton of work for them that like you'd typically charge a lot of money because it is your time and your efforts and you creating high quality content.
0: This is so true this is a job just like any other job. So when you think about it, you wouldn't ask someone to work for free for any other job. So it can be frustrating sometimes, but I think you just have to realize that this is a job and you should be paid for the content that you're creating.
1: I think that's fair. I think so too. And that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about in terms of like affiliate partnerships, because I feel like on one end of the spectrum, you have brands asking you to work for free. Then you have the other end of the spectrum where they pay you for your work. And then there's like this middle range where they like want you to be a brand ambassador, where you have like some kind of affiliate partnership with them, where they want you to post or just like want to send you stuff. And then you post and you use your affiliate link and then you make a commission. So like you're kind of paid, but you might not be. So can you give us your opinion on that?
0: I am personally not a huge fan of affiliate programs because you really have to post a lot to make the commission and posting a lot basically for free. You're not being compensated for that. And I think that a lot of brands expect you to post in feed because you'll reach a wider audience if you post in feed, so there's more of a chance that they'll use your code rather than if you just posted a story, but I think it's not really worth it in my opinion.
1: I agree, and I'm happy to hear you say that because, well, here's the thing, I do some affiliate partnerships for things that i like genuinely use all the time and things that like i would just be posting regularly like for example i take ritual vitamins i take them or i have been taking them for like six months and i would post about them and tell people about them anyway so i'll just like link my affiliate link but i think when you have companies that just want you to use that affiliate like like if it's something that you're you haven't like used a ton like maybe you like the product and you would eat it and you like those ingredients but it's something that would take you a lot of effort you wouldn't necessarily post it anyway um i 100% agree with you and as you said like there's no guarantee that you're gonna make money. So like you're putting in all that effort anyway, just in the hopes of getting a commission when there's no promise that people are gonna buy it. So I definitely agree and I think if you are a blogger influencer, I would focus on prioritizing paid partnerships over affiliate partnerships. So what would your response be? Let's say a brand approaches you and asks about an affiliate partnership, how would you respond to them?
0: I would basically explain that I'm not partaking in additional affiliate partnerships at this time, but I would be happy to share my media kit and reach via email outlining some other options as to how we can partner together.
1: I like that simple to the point, just letting them know you're not taking anymore Um, because then it it does take away from you doing other things for your brand and you working on For example, your Pinterest, your TikTok, whatever it may be, or even working on the paid partnerships, working on those affiliate partnerships can then take away from that. Yes, absolutely. So can we talk about emailing brands and reaching out to them? And so first up, what method of communication do you think is best? Like, do you recommend sending an Instagram DM to the company? Do you send an email? Do you do both?
0: I do a mixture of both. Most of the time, I feel like you can get a response through DM, and then you can take it over to email. Sometimes they do have an email right in their profile that you can click on and email there. But I find that sometimes they're a general email, so you're not always going to get a response. So I recommend reaching out on Instagram and then take it over to email right away. It's very important to have the conversation through email rather than DM.
1: I agree 100%. So when you do reach out to them over DM, what does that message look like?
0: I'll explain um, kind of what I love about the product, how I use the product, how it's incorporated into my daily life. I don't recommend reaching out and being like, hey, I love your product. And that's it. <laughs> I think it's very important to explain how it's connected to you and why you really enjoy the product. Again, personally, I don't work with any brands that I don't actually use or love. So I think it's very important to put passion behind it.
1: I agree. Yes. So you reach out, you tell them you love their product. Um, Do you give an example of how you would use the product if you were to collab?
0: No, I don't specifically give an example of how I would use the product. I kind of give an example of the things that I do, such as I can create a post featuring your product or I can create a video and then I kind of take it over to email and then we eventually discuss rates. I don't really bring up the rates right away. As I said, I don't like to lead with the um, pricing.
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes back to like sending over your media kit, talking about why you would be valuable to their brand and why like genuinely you want to work with them Um, and I like that you talk specifically about their product and how it relates to you because think of how many messages they're probably getting from bloggers and influencers that are just saying like, hey, like, I'd love to collab. And they're going through hundreds of those every day. So if like you're saying something specific, that probably stands out to them.
0: Yes. And this goes back to the whole resume. It's just like a job. So you want to be able to stick out from the rest and be
1: unique in any way that you can. For sure. Um, so let's say you reach out over email instead of DM, would there be a difference in how you would write to them?
0: I think email is a little bit more formal than a DM. I try and still be formal in the DM as well. But, um, of course say, hi, I'm whoever, because if you're messaging through DM, they know who you are because your name is there. But if you're sending an email, they don't know who you are. So I think it's important to kind of start off saying, hi, my name is whatever my handle is, whatever, and explain who you are, what you do, and then kind of get into why you love the brand and how you can connect or collab in the way that you're imagining.
1: And that first time you're reaching out over email, would you attach your media kit or would you wait for them to respond?
0: I would attach my media kit, but I wouldn't attach my rate sheet. Got it.
1: I like that. So When you do send over your rate sheet, I want to talk about the rate sheet for a second because we didn't touch on that. What does that look like?
0: So it basically has everything, all the services that I offer lined out with the pricing and then a few examples of my work, like three pictures I think I have on there, Um, very like straight to the point. So a few examples would be a post, some stories, um, even work that can be used by the brand so I wouldn't post the photo but I would take a photo for the brand for their use. So that's another form. Um, Another example is a recipe to my website featuring their brand. Another example is a video to TikTok. So I have all platforms listed out and how I can incorporate their product into whatever service.
1: I'm so glad that you explained that because I I don't think enough people probably have a rate sheet and like would have no idea how to make one. Um, So can we talk about TikTok for a second? Because this is something totally new. And I've talked to a few bloggers, influencers about how they're charging for TikTok. And I've been hearing a lot of them charging a lot less than what they charge an Instagram post when I disagree with this I think as you said video takes a lot of time even if it's a 15 second video I don't know about you but I'll sometimes have like three minutes of footage that I have to then cut down into something so short and you got to do the caption and the music and everything like that so I just I think even when there's a new platform I think you still have to explain to brands that you're valuable and it's you're still taking time So I don't know if you have any thoughts about charging on TikTok.
0: I agree with that. Um, I think it's actually easier to cut down a longer video. As you said, three minutes of video and then trying to create it to make it like 15 seconds is a lot because you wanna get the main point across, but it's kind of difficult to do that with such a limited amount of time. So I definitely think that you should be charging more just like charging more for a video on Instagram.
1: I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but I think also on TikTok, people are growing so quickly where right now on Instagram, you do not grow like how you grow on TikTok. So I think people are kind of equating like, well, it's harder to get followers and engagement on Instagram. So therefore you're going to charge more where on TikTok, like it's a lot easier. So you're going to charge less. Do you know what I mean? Yes,
0: I see what you're saying, but I think you still have to realize all the work that goes into it rather than the amount of followers that you would be getting or if it's easier. It doesn't really matter. I feel like it's more important um, to look at what you're doing on the
1: back end. 100%. So can we talk a little bit about contracts and like reading contracts, the importance of having a contract? Because I think sometimes it's hard for people to maybe agree to having a contract, or they don't realize the importance of having one, or they don't read it completely and realize that they like need to do something that they wouldn't normally feel comfortable doing?
0: Yes, this is so, so important. Um, I definitely overlooked contracts when I started, and I just got so excited that I had a brand partnership, and I would just sign it and send it back as soon as I could. I think it's very important to read the fine print. um, A few things that I would look for Number one is exclusivity. You want to make sure that the brand isn't explaining that you can only post their product and no competitors because you should be compensated for that. If that is the case, you would be turning down other business if that was the case. So I think it's very, very important to check for exclusivity. That is my number one for contracts.
1: Yeah, that's a super important point because there are brands that are like, okay, like this is our pasta. You're only allowed for the next nine months to post with only our pasta and no one else. So that's a super important thing to look for. And I think also one of the most important ones too is around like editing. Like I'll have a lot of brands reach back out. Like I'll send them the content for them to approve, And they're like, oh, can you actually like re-record that? But like be more excited this time. Or like, can you sound like a little bit more genuine or whatever it is? Like they'll come back with all these edits that are just like then making the content unauthentic because they're changing how I originally said something or how I originally did something. So I think having something in there about like maybe allowing them one round of edits so that they can't keep coming back to you.
0: Yes, I agree with that completely. And I feel like sponsored content now has been getting a bad rap lately. Um, A lot of people, when they see a sponsored post, it's automatically inauthentic. I don't, agree with that I mean I as I said before I only work with brands that I truly love and use so I think that I should be able to incorporate their products in a really genuine way and it's not very fair in my opinion when they try and change the way I would normally speak because that does make it inauthentic and which kind of adds to the whole idea of sponsored content not being authentic
1: for sure. And I think that kind of could be in a contract also. Like I've had contracts say that like I have to follow a certain script or use certain like terminology in the post. And I'm like, this is going to make it seem like such a commercial advertisement. Like, if they're telling you what to say, that takes the organicness out of asking an influencer to advertise for you. Because what makes influencer marketing unique is that you're hearing from the perspective of someone who has a community that likes them for them and just wants to hear about like their genuine experience and what they genuinely use. So the second the company puts words in your mouth, then that just takes away from that. Like the company could have posted that if they wanted to.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, it's very important to have the influencer kind of use their voice. And I think that they would actually generate more sales and more awareness if the influencer had the ability to talk as they would in any other post.
1: Definitely. And I think another thing in a contract, um, Tell me if you agree, but having everything laid out for how the payment is supposed to work, like when they are supposed to pay you, like how long after you post they pay you, or maybe some people would want to be paid before they post. But having like everything surrounding payment laid out and written out in, in something that's binding, I think is something very, very helpful that can cover you and kind of like save you from having any kind of problems.
0: I agree because every company is completely different. I've been paid literally before I even created the content. I've been paid like a month after and I've been paid like 90 days after. So um, you definitely have to read the fine print and see what works best for you.
1: And I think too with like package collaborations, like let's say a brand wants you to do 10 Instagram posts over the next couple of months. making sure that they're not paying you after all of those. Like maybe um it's okay to be paid after doing one post, but if you're doing a package promo with someone, make sure that you're paid like after every post just to make sure that like a they're actually going to pay you and b so that you're not like waiting too long to get paid.
0: Yes, I agree. And I also think it's important to check how you're going to be paid because every company pays differently whether that's check, whether that's PayPal, whether that's Venmo, um, you should just make sure that you know how you're going to be paid, and I also think it's important to record it for yourself. I have an Excel spreadsheet and I write down all of my collaborations, how I'll be paid, when I should expect payment, so I can follow up if there's any issues.
1: That's a good idea. I need to start doing that. I keep track of like all my income, but I need I need to have everything all organized like that. That's a really good tip. Um, so moral of the story read the contract. I have definitely like had those times where I like definitely didn't read it close enough or um, my fiance, Ari, like he works in finance and a huge part of his job is reading contracts. So like I'll even have him take a look at it. So like if you have someone at home who can just like give it a second eye or second glance, it's like proofreading your essay in high school. Like it's always good to have like someone else take a look at it because they might see something that you didn't see. Um, But I actually had one company that they were sponsoring a blog. And in the contract, it said I had to turn off ads in the blog where like, you know, like you make money from those ads. And if, it's a, if it does well, then like you can make a lot of money from that. Um, and I didn't realize that they said that. So of course I signed the contract and I had to turn off the ads. So that was like a big learning lesson. I will never do that again. <laughs> so. Can we talk more about like communication with brands? Like let's say you have an ongoing partnership with a brand. How important is that like constant communication with them so that you build a relationship?
0: Yes, just like any other business, it's very important to make sure that you're talking about the content that you're going to create, talk about how the content maybe did in the past to find the best way to go forward because say you have like five posts lined up for them. You wanna make sure that you're doing well and better each post so you can continue that partnership maybe five months after that when the first partnership contract ends. For sure.
1: And what about like reporting statistics to brands after you post for them?
0: Yes, um, I love doing that. I send them screenshots of how the post did and I also like to send them if I get like a dm asking about the product I like to send them that to show them that my followers are interested in the product and are genuinely looking to see what I'm going to post next about them
1: I love that I think that's super important because sometimes well one I've had brands like not know how to like Like maybe like they don't know how to like check those things, um, but also like they can't see some of the insights that we can see. So actually like reporting back and showing them how the post did is just like showing them if it was worth them spending money and it just like gives them a little sneak peek into how it went. So I think even if like a post doesn't perform how you want it to, I think they just in the end appreciate you being transparent with them.
0: Yes, Absolutely. I think that the brand understands that Instagram is sometimes a crapshoot. You don't really know what you're going to get. Sometimes a post can do really well. And then other times maybe not so well. But of course, that doesn't mean the content isn't beautiful that you put out just maybe it didn't work out that time. But if you're getting genuine comments, genuine messages about the product, that's true engagement. And that shows the brand that there is interest in the product and that it was definitely worth their money.
1: Yeah, and I've seen you posting a couple times just like giving everyone the reminder that like the Instagram algorithm is always different. Like if you post something that doesn't do as well, like it's okay. And like, I even personally have loved these reminders because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves, especially when it's a paid post. You're like freaking out and hoping that it does well because obviously you want the brands to keep working with you. So what would your advice be to someone who, let's say the post didn't do as well as they hoped, how would you then um, approach the brand about that?
0: I would approach the brand by um, just basically sending those messages, as I said, um, of people actually showing their interest in the product and showing that even though maybe the reach wasn't as great, that the people that did see it all engaged on it and did show interest. I think that that is the most important. Even if you're reaching... 10 people, like if those 10 people are like, oh my gosh, I love this. I'm going to go out and buy this. I'm going to check out this brand. I'm going to, cl- I'm even going to just click on their profile and just know that they're there. It's worth their money.
1: Totally. I think that's an important point because even if like I'll, I tag a brand in an Instagram story, for example, and I see that like 90 people went to go check out their profile and I, I'll i send that to them and be like, look, like 90 people who maybe didn't know about your brand, they know about you on Instagram now. And like, then they might recognize you in the grocery store, or, like choose to buy your product when they're out and about. So I think that's, that's really important that you brought that up.
0: That's all part of it too. Like Brand awareness is number one before you even buy. So if people are seeing the brand, and I think it's seven times that someone needs to see the brand before they purchase. So that's one out of the seven times down and that's done by you. So kudos.
1: Okay, thank you for saying that because this is something that I'll explain to brands when I'm like in that original negotiation with them. So maybe a brand will be like, we just wanna do one post with you. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But just letting you know it takes exposure and repetitive exposure for people to one, even like recognize or realize that you're using that brand. And two, like it just takes so much time and repeated posts for them to even like realize that maybe they should buy it. And also just like them seeing it over time, that's just like, they're more likely to then buy it in a store. So I always try to explain that. Even when I just make like, let's say I make a smoothie recipe and I post it on my story, it isn't until like the tenth time I'm posting that smoothie recipe that a, a follower message messages me and they're like, "Oh my god, like you post that smoothie every day! I should probably make that." You know, it was like the tenth time I posted it on my story. They're like, "Wait, like what's the recipe for that? You always post it. That looks so good." So I think that is very, very, very important that you pointed that out.
0: There's also just so much value in longer partnerships. For that reason I really try and push for longer partnerships because you can really create that uh, establishment with the brand and you can become connected with the brand and your followers will identify you when they see that brand as one and I think that's very important for brands to realize and I don't think that they realize that all the time sometimes they think like one-off partnership is enough like I've had brands say like that they expect a certain amount of sales from one post, which I don't agree with at all. People need to see the product before they even consider buying it.
1: And also, I get a lot of messages from people, even if I link them- the company's website with their product people will just say where can i go buy this in the store so what i think sometimes brands don't realize is even if they're not like going to the swipe up of the brand's website and like ordering through a, a website which like i know like i don't really do personally like maybe i'll order on amazon or something but i'm much more likely to see a product and then go to the store and look for it um so that's also like obviously a brand doesn't know if someone goes to whole foods and buys the product because of you so I think that is really important too.
0: 100%. And I also feel like most people aren't going to buy through the website, they're going to buy at Whole Foods or a different type of store. Um, So you also need to say where you can purchase, there should be like multiple forms.
1: Oh, definitely, because everyone has a different preference. Like if they don't live next to the store, they'll buy from the website. If they don't feel like that, maybe um, Amazon is more convenient for them. So definitely spelling out where everyone can get everything is great. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of having a website.
0: Okay, so I believe it's super important to create a website no matter where you are on your Instagram journey. I think you should stop and figure out how to create one. It's not easy, I know. But I think it's a great investment and really can explode your brand. There are ways to monetize off a website that I think a lot of people don't know about. So um, if you run ads on your website when people visit, and for me, I have recipes. so. When people visit and create my recipe and are reading through what goes into the recipe, the ingredients and all that, there are ads that pop up on the side. And I do make money through those ads. So I think that's something that people don't think about. I know it's a little bit frustrating to see ads on a website and you just want them to go away. I totally get it. But um, bloggers are offering free content and that is a way that they can make money
1: yes definitely and this also goes back i know i was saying in the beginning i literally had no clue you could make money as a food blogger let alone like actually make money from the ads that are in your recipes and honestly sometimes like i'll get a lot of like negative comments or like hate comments from people saying like the ads are annoying or to take them out or to make like a jump to the recipe button um but then i just like kindly explain to people that I'm providing them with free content. They get free recipes, but that's how I'm paid. That's a large part of my income. Um, So yes, if you do have a recipe Instagram or whatever it is, it's so, so helpful to make a blog in addition because it it can be a really major source of income. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about like the ad networks people can partner with?
0: Yeah, so there are a variety of different ones. I personally use She Media and I love them. They're very easy to work with. The thing with ad networks is a lot of them, you need to have a certain amount of page views before you can apply to be a part of their network. So um, it can take time sometimes. It took me over a year to even put ads on my website. So just remember that as long as you're growing and creating traffic to your website, then eventually you can put on the ads and you can make money through that. But don't get too hung up on the idea of making money. Just focus on growing your brand first and that will totally come in time.
1: Right. So having ads on your website and, and then monetizing your blog is a little bit of like a longer game. Um so patience is going to be very important <laughs> when you're waiting for that. Um so is G Media, what is the Minimum that they make you have, because I know on there's MediaVine, which I think you have to have twenty five thousand page views. But I'd like to hear because you use She Media, maybe you can give some advice to people.
0: I believe it's twenty thousand page views, but I've heard that some people have applied with less and got in. So I think it's totally worth applying if you want and you can see what happens. You can also email them. They're very responsive. So I recommend just reaching out.
1: That's good to know. That's really good to know. And there's also Mediavine. Um, for those of you who are like kind of exploring different ones, there's AdThrive, which you need 100,000 for. Um, but But yeah, there are a bunch of different ones, but I would definitely look into it if you have a website because it can be a very large source of income. Um, There was one more thing I wanted to say about long-term partnerships that we forgot to say. And that's um, like when you make a long-term partnership with a brand... Um, Not only is that like good for your relationships, great for your followers to see like you using something constantly and creating that brand awareness, but it also creates guaranteed income for you. So, you know, in the months to come, like, okay, like I'm making X amount from this brand instead of like having one post and you're like, okay, well, I just made like $500 or whatever it is. And just having that one time when you sign those longer contracts, you know, you have that like sense of financial security that you don't with just a one-off post? 110%.
0: Um, This job is not like any other job and you're really not guaranteed a certain amount of money unless you do have long-term partnerships. At least you know that you're getting some form of income constantly. Um, That is definitely a good feeling. It's like a little bit of a security blanket, um, but
1: it's not always that way, (laughs) unfortunately. Right, and when you work for yourself, obviously like you're not getting a salary like you would at a regular job. So having that guaranteed income kind of makes a salary because you know the months going in like, okay, I'm getting X amount from these four long-term partnerships. And like you have kind of like a minimum of what you know you're going to make. And then you can kind of make your financial decisions around that where I feel like Very unorganized almost if I don't have longer-term partnerships in place and kind of like uneasy about the money I'm going to be making
0: you can feel a lot more pressure from that I just try to tell myself that um, money comes and goes But if I just continue to create recipes put out content everything will work out in time
1: 100% Um, so if you are in that process of like learning how to work with brands and you're maybe you've done some posts where or partnerships where it's just like one post um i would just practice like getting into the habit habit of after posting that one time talking to brands about extending your partnership and doing like whether it's a three-month partnership a six-month partnership whether it's a year um i think it's it can be super super valuable and just it really does give you that sense of financial security when you do have those longer-term partnerships.
0: For sure. And always reach back out. So like if you work with a brand like once or twice and you want to create a longer-term partnership with them, reach back out even if it's like, months later, who cares? And you've obviously grown and you can show that and send a updated media kit and they might be open to doing the long-term partnership with you.
1: Yes. And I would say don't get discouraged if maybe at first they say no, or even I have a lot of people ask me like, oh, like I reach out to brands and no one responds. My fiance always tells me, he's like, it takes... 16 points of contact to get a deal done and I find there is so much communication that happens before we sign a contract. It's not just like, "Hi, how are you?" and they're like, "Hi, great. You want to work together?" Okay, here's the con-. like it doesn't happen like that. There's a lot of like talking involved. And honestly, sometimes I'll have to like DM or email a company 5 times before they answer me and they're like, "Oh, hey, like sorry, we didn't see that" or "Sorry, we're just getting around to emailing you." So I would say persistence is key.
0: Yes, and don't be afraid to follow up. It's not bad. Um, I've always done this within business as well. Like for job interviews, I would be that person that would follow up multiple times and it actually worked out for me. And I think it's the same within this industry.
1: Yes, and I'll reach out to a brand, I'll email them. I won't hear back for like, I give it like a week. And then at the week mark, I'll just be like, hey, I would still love to collaborate if you're interested. Let me know if you have any questions about what I just said. And then, you know, if they still don't answer, maybe two weeks later, I'll be like, hi, hope you got my email. Um, I just to reintroduce myself, whatever it is, like, just don't feel awkward about it. The worst thing that can happen is that they just don't respond. But on the other side of that, the best thing that can happen is that they do respond and then you create a relationship and you're able to collaborate with them. So I would say just don't feel awkward about it. Keep being persistent because honestly the brand sponsorships that I do get and the long-term ones, it's when I am super persistent and I'm always on top of things and I'm always just following up and emailing them until they answer me. Agreed. I am the
0: same exact way. It's not annoying. It gets you to where you want to be, I promise.
1: Yes, I'm glad I'm not the only one, but I think that also speaks a lot to like your success. I oh, You're always doing brand sponsorships. I see all of them you're obviously an expert in creating those partnerships and seeking them out. So um, just before we kind of wrap things up, you do have an ebook. Where can everyone find that?
0: So you can find my sponsorship ebook on my website. You can just go ahead and click the link in my bio and it actually just says sponsorship ebook. You just click on that and then it'll take you right to the page where you can purchase it. It shows you an outline of a media kit, an outline of a rate sheet, how to create your own media kit, how to create your own rate sheet, how to talk to brands, and just kind of like the real deal information about this business that you cannot find on Google, you cannot find anywhere. It's all within this short little ebook. It'll really help you, I promise, because I have Googled this information and found no answers.
1: Yes, you guys have to go check that out. And now I just have a couple questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, first one would be, what would your last meal on earth be?
0: Sushi for sure. I love, love sushi. And if it was my last meal, I would definitely need a dessert with that. And it would probably, probably be a chocolate chip cookie as simple as it is. I love it.
1: And what kind of sushi are you ordering?
0: Definitely spicy tuna. Um, I love salmon, avocado, and then I would have to get some form of like a cool specialty roll depending on where I
1: was. So good. I love sushi. What is one thing you can't live without in your morning routine?
0: Breakfast. (laughs) I love overnight oats. And most days I prep them in advance to have when I wake up. And knowing that I have my overnight oats ready and waiting for me before my day starts feels so good.
1: And what is something quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out?
0: Um, I break out in little dance parties throughout the day. Just for fun when I'm in the kitchen creating or just around the house. I don't think anyone would expect that, but it's a way to keep yourself happy, especially being in quarantine and being inside all the time. Why not?
1: I love that. And if there was one form of exercise you had to do for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: Uh, Weightlifting. I like lifting weights cause it makes me feel strong. I can't imagine running for the rest of my life <laughs> and that being the only thing. I do enjoy a mix of everything, but I feel like lifting weights makes me feel strong and powerful. So that's what I would choose.
1: And what is your favorite grocery store? Whole Foods.
0: I do like Trader Joe's too, but I feel like I can just roam around Whole Foods all day. And it's also like huge. Trader Joe's are, is normally small. So I like going around and seeking out new products. And it just inspires me to also create new recipes when I see different ingredients that I've
1: never seen before. Oh, I love Whole Foods. I could just like, like whenever we're bored, we'll just like go there and browse and like hang out there. And I love going, I know you're not vegan, but I love going to like the vegan aisle and like seeing what's new in the vegan section. It's so fun.
0: I know, to be honest with you, we go a lot on Friday nights. Friday night grocery shops.
1: That's so fun. That's like the ideal date.
0: For me, it definitely is. And I think it is for my boyfriend as well. So I guess we're compatible in that way.
1: It's so funny. Um, Okay. Now I have this game I play with everyone. It's foodie. Would you rather? Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Pasta or pizza? Pizza. Oatmeal or avocado toast? Oatmeal. Brownies or blondies? Blondies. Carrots or cucumbers? Cucumbers. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pancakes. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Smoothie or juices? Smoothie. Lemon or lime? Lemon. Hummus or guacamole? Guacamole. Pesto or Alfredo? Pesto. Yeah, and that's it. That's Foodie Would You Rather. (laughs) Thanks for playing. Thank you for having me. That was fun. Yeah. Um, This has been so informative, and I hope that everyone found this valuable because I, again, I don't think this is talked about enough. And I really want to shed light on sponsorships and how to navigate them and just bring transparency to, to those subjects. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. Um, and everyone go get her ebook. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we'll have to talk again soon.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. This was my first podcast and I really, really enjoyed it. And it was so nice to connect with everyone in a different form. Yes.
1: See ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.